0: But after that, we got worked super hard. And it's kind of like um, strength through adversity. Once you've been through something really grim, you've got the confidence of knowing, you know, I, I I can do this. And then that kind of releases you.
1: to the adventure podcast and this episode with jason pickles jason is a proper underdog and a climber's climber i don't know jace very well but we have worked together a few times overseas and we spent a bit of time together partying slightly too hard at mountain festivals and weddings we have a lot of close mutual friends the most well known of whom is leo holding who in many ways has defined a lot of what we've both achieved over the course of our adult lives jason and leo are best friends and have spent a lot of time climbing all over the world together Jace is proudly Northern, and grew up climbing in Lancashire, Yorkshire and Cumbria, before the climbing scene really exploded and turned into what it is now. In this episode, we explore Jace's life as a climber, how he went from a young weekend warrior to a full-time, talented dirtbagger, and then into detail on how he became such a crucial part of one of the most elite and successful expedition climbing teams of the modern era. In this episode, we speak a lot about their first major expedition together to climb Mount Asgard on Baffin Island in 2009. We speak about ego and imposter syndrome and how he's more than comfortable being surrounded by people who are better at their sport than him. We look a little bit at machismo and what it was like growing up surrounded by hardy, older, northern men who saw a rough-and-tumble approach to teaching a kid as the right thing to do. We also look really closely at the transition from full-time life a climber to stay-at-home dad and the realities of this new life that Jace has built for himself. Towards the end of the episode, Jace alludes to an experience he had in South America whilst on Expedition where he took Yopo an indigenous medicine that's highly psychedelic and hallucinogenic that had a profound effect on him. But that whole ordeal is a story for another day. All in all, this is an honest, open conversation with a man who knows exactly who he is, who he isn't and what he wants from life. Before we begin, I'd like to talk to you about Sidetrack magazine, our sister publication. Sidetracked is an incredible quarterly journal that celebrates authentic stories of adventure and exploration. You can find out more at sidetracked.com. I'd also like to take a quick moment to push you in the direction of our charitable partner, the Martin Moran Foundation. They're a wonderful organisation working to get young people from disadvantaged backgrounds into the outdoors. You can find information about how you can support them on our Instagram bio at The Adventure Podcast. Finally, if you're enjoying the podcast, then please do subscribe on iTunes and leave us an honest review. They're a big help and it really does help us bring the podcast to a wider audience. Okay, over to Jason Pickles. Mm -hmm.
0: Right, let's do it. Let's do it.
1: Let's start at the start. Tell me who you are and what you do.
0: Who am I? That's a bit deep, isn't it? I am a climber. I'm a husband, I'm a father, and I'm a friend. And, yeah, that's that I think defines me. I would identify, I think I always will identify as a climber even when I don't climb, even when I can't climb anymore. It's uh, integral to who I am, I think.
1: Okay, hey, so let's go back to the start of that. When did you start climbing and become a climber? I guess there may be two different questions.
0: Yeah, I started climbing when I was about 16. Um, before that, I played a lot of football, a lot of cricket. Grew up in a small northern town got up to no good, like everybody does. Um, and then I went, I had a, an uncle who worked for the fire brigade and his watch, I think it was like Blue Watch, Halifax, Police, uh, Halifax Fire Station. They used to do these annual trips where they went and did stuff. And I, I, I went on one of those when I was sixteen. And uh, I went on it primarily because it meant I could get pissed. Um, and we did we did some walking. We walked up Blencathra, um, and we did some climbing. We climbed at Shepherd's Crag, and uh, and that kind of started it. And then I, my other uncle, he he did he climbed a little bit, so I started going with him, um, and. After not very long, I kind of stopped playing football and cricket because I wanted to go climbing at the weekend and if it was raining on one day, I wanted to go climbing on the other day. And if I had to play football, that meant I couldn't do that. So kind of quickly everything else fell away and I just wanted to go climbing. And I wasn't particularly good. I spent a long time puntering around... um, You know, climbing VS, hard VS for a couple of years. But I think really early on, it like, I I was obsessed with it. It got me. So, you know, from even when I was not very good, I would have called myself a climber, I think. And what was it, do you think,
1: that gripped you so early on with it?
0: I don't know. I always spent a lot of time outside. Um, So I was kind of into being outside I was into sport, I kind of liked the physical side of it, I think the mental side of it was new to me, but I really enjoyed that, I enjoyed not knowing, being a bit scared, like I enjoyed the jeopardy, like, you know, am I going to get up there, am I going to be able to do it, where are we going, going to new places, yeah, I think that. And, and the crack, I enjoyed, like, I used to go with my uncle and a lot of guys who were a lot older, and they were like, I don't know, old school characters. I, there was one of his friends um, who, he used to make me like, I used to have to wrestle him for my breakfast and stuff. He'd be like, right, Jake, hungry are you? Well, you can't have your breakfast until we've had a wrestle. And he bat me basically um, and you know in a, in a good way but in a, you know in an old school kind of it was very much I, you, I think the old kind of apprenticeship rock climbing apprenticeship was uh was great and I, and I liked it I liked the banter I liked you know them giving me shit me giving them shit yeah I just like the whole the whole thing when, when are we talking so I was 16, so like 1991. Okay. And climbing's changed a lot since then. Climbing has changed a lot since then, yeah. Like, you know, everything's changed a lot since then, hasn't it? Um, yeah, they were quite... I have I think I'm characters. I'm like, I'm drawn to characters. And, yeah, I, I, I've, I don't know whether I'm drawn to them or whether... I don't know, but there's, lo- there's always been lots of characters in, in my life in lots of different ways. And people like Chris that I had to wrestle, you know, were char- and I love, I love that. You know, and good points and bad points. You know, Chris was a bit of a, in, in my own side, he was a bit of a hard man. He had a bit of a reputation. He was amazing with me. You know, but you give me a hard time at times, but I, yeah that that uh, I, I love all that shit, yeah. and there's not enough of it anymore i don't I don't think you know I'm going to sound like a dinosaur, but um that stuff was really formative for me. It really, really made a big difference to me, and it and it was really of value, rather than you know, I, I didn't feel all oppressed and picked on or you know it was something that made me grow um, yeah.
1: I think you've sort of answered it, but I was going to say, do you look back on that wholly, positively?
0: Completely. 100, like, I don't, yeah, like, 100%. Yeah. And, and it never was in, like, there was never any kind of malice in any way, shape, or form. Chris is a lovely guy, you know, and I still know him and I still see him on occasion. It was just kind of how things were in Northern times then. And a little bit of, like, making people... Giving them a bit of shit and making them work for your respect or whatever was just a normal thing. And, yeah, it was a massively positive thing for me and, and not bad in any way, shape or form.
1: But, you know, you, you're saying you're 16, so it's like an incredibly formative time for anyone at that age. And you said in your intro, which is quite rare, you know, I've interviewed a lot of people for this podcast, you said friend when I said who are you you said I'm a friend that seems quite important to you how much when you found climbing obviously you had a community through football and stuff like that but how much did you find a community as opposed to just vertical climbing?
0: Yeah I think so I think you know I'm I'm still friends with everybody that I grew up with I still spend a lot of time with my friends and I've got loads of amazing friends through climbing but I didn't you know, I, you go in climbing. A lot of people kind of leave their old lives behind, and it's like a new, it's like a reinvention, or you know, whatever. And and don't get me wrong, I'm kind of a different person to my friends back home than I am in climbing. But um, but friends are yeah. Like I think they, they should be really important to everybody, shouldn't they? It's not you know like these your friends that essentially make you who you are and kind of validate who you are and, you know, reinforce the things that are important to you, I think. Yeah, I'd buy that. So
1: you're, you're 16, you're climbing at the weekends. Are you at school? Have you left school? What was life oh, at,
0: like? At school, did A-levels. School was like, like GCSEs, I, I, it was kind of easy, but I didn't really apply myself very well. I don't have a huge drive to, you know, so GCSEs were fine, whereas A-levels, when you start to have to do some work and have to, you know, then it, it, I didn't do as well, whereas I just coasted through GCSEs. Um, but, yeah, no, total weekend warrior, basically. And then went to, like, went to a shit unit to kind of just give me more time to climb, in a way, just kick the can down the road, like, you know, People are like, you know, what I had mates who knew what they wanted to do. I was like, I haven't got a clue what I want to do. But, I, you know, I definitely know that I want to go climbing a bit more. So in a lot of ways, going to college, uni was just a, a way of prolonging that. Um, and then I just got more and more. I just, that meant I had more time to go climbing, so I climbed more and it just kind of snowballed into, yeah, an obsession, I suppose.
1: Yeah, and I don't, it's probably worth saying, like, for you and the people who are going to listen to this, like, we know each other, but not very well. So I don't know the answer to any of what I'm about to yeah, ask yeah, you, but yeah, yeah. what did you then do? Like, did you have a plan to get a career or...?
0: No, 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 I've never had a plan. I don't, like, that's, you know, I'm not... Um, in some ways, one of my superpowers is not worrying about anything because I don't look to the future particularly it's you've just got to deal with what's in front of you there's no point worrying about what's coming up and you know sometimes it's frustrating probably it's probably frustrating for my wife sometimes that I don't have more of a plan or but I just yeah I just go with what you know I just kind of drifted in a way I just drifted I just wanted to go climbing so that's what I did. And then that led to various opportunities. And, you know, I never had a plan that I was going to never get a real job or, you know, spend my life messing around with my mates. But I, that's kind of what happened. So, so it worked out pretty well, you know. But, um, but no, I never had, like, no, I was never, ever bothered about going here or doing this. It was just about, right, you know, get up. Is it fine? Go climbing. Kind of, you know, and like if somebody said, do you want to do this? Well, either say yes or no. And invariably I'd say yes. The other thing, I'm not very good at saying no to to all to anything, um, which has served me quite well, I think. You know, like regret doing it, don't regret not doing it yeah. has been one of my... I suppose. I uh, I
1: envy the not worrying thing or the no plan thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. You're obviously a worrier. You know, my wife's a worrier. She stresses about things, and my oldest is my oldest kid. Is he thinks about stuff? Um, yeah, I, I I don't I don't like I don't. Um, sometimes I wish I did a little bit more. He, you know, he like, but sometimes I'm just. You know, you've got no, you've got, you've, in many ways, you've got no control. You just deal with what's happening. And then if you do that, it's all good.
1: Well, the grass is greener, isn't it? Because I'm sat here going, oh, my God, that sounds so peaceful. Like, what's that like to just not have the thoughts whirring all the time?
0: Probably, I mean, I don't know any different. So, yeah, probably like, yeah, I, you know, I don't, yeah. My brain is not going at a thousand miles an hour thinking about stuff. Ever, really. Which, I mean, I get it off my... My dad's, my dad's, like, super... If he was any more laid back, he'd be asleep. <laughs> like, he's just super chill, which I'm obviously a little bit like him on, in that fr- you know, in that way. And, the, you know, he's it, good. He's good on trips. It works really well on, on, on expeditions in lots of ways. He's good. It depends, you know, it depends. There's there's hierarchies in there, and that, you know, when you go away on a trip, there's like a, uh, and that I'm, I, I'm just, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And Yeah, we'll come on to that. I'm,
1: quite, I'm really fascinated to go into all that. Um, yeah, I'll save it for a minute. Let's get there. But, um, so you did uni, and obviously the climbing was picking up a pace. There, there's, there are some obvious trigger points that we're clearly going to get to, like meeting Leo seems like a massive one but you must have got good at some point and you must have earned money at some point.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, I blew you ne? Like, it's one of the... Th- I don't regret a lot of things, but, I, you know, for a, if I'd put a little bit more effort in, I, I would have got something out of it, whereas as all I got out of it was, like, lots of partying, some debt, and four years to kind of go climbing. But... Through all that, I started to get... Well, I, I was just into it. You know, like, I think the whole thing... I don't know when the... It didn't matter to me that whether I was good or not. And I think that's kind of one of the points where you start to get good. Um, and, yeah, there was, like, a good, a good scene in, like, Lancashire slash Yorkshire and loads of old-school characters again. People like Jerry Peel, McJohnston old school climbers and there was just like a bit of a scene and I I kind of got involved with that a little bit and they used to like have the crack with me at the wall and I was like the young youth jumping around Um, and yeah, I suppose I started to get good and then I started, I I think I had friends who were just as good but didn't have, um, you know, I say I didn't have any drive but didn't have any drive to Push themselves. So I was like, right, well, I've done an E3, so I want to do an E4. Whereas lots of mates were like, well, I've done an E3, I'll just cruise around E3. Whereas I kind of had this urge to like, right, well, I've done that, so I'll try something harder. Um, and yeah, so started to, get, started to get all right. Started to meet people, climbed quite a lot with John Dunn. Who is like a big again another character of British climbing? He was amazing. Like it was so much fun. He was, it, it, yeah. We just had a. I just got really into climbing and kind of headpointing. John at the time was headpointing lots of things, and everything was just like a laugh. We just went out, and as I started to to get things done and get to know people a little bit. And then I kind of got the opportunity through Squawk to do some work um, and I worked for, for Bencrete, I think, first, kind of building climbing walls. Um, and then since then, you know, I did quite a long time of building climbing walls. So I could kind of work for a month and then have a month off or work for two months and, and it just meant that I was available to go climbing. But I just, I never had a, you know, I just kind of fell into that. That was just, again, from opportunities coming and saying yes to them, you know. Squawk at some point was like, we need some labourers, are you interested? Um, So, yeah, so it kind of snowballed, I suppose. And then by the time I was in my, I suppose, early 20s, all my mates back home had like jobs and cars and stuff like that. And I kind of was sofa surfing, living out of a bag, you know, spending a lot of time going away, climbing. I kind of got, um, I got into travelling a lot. Um, one of my, a really good mate called Andy Long, he he was a bit older than me, he is a bit older than me, and he, he was just going out and doing stuff. So he'd go to Spain for like, for a week on like on peanuts when Ryanair was it was you know they were like train tickets um and I just got in this cycle of yeah just going climbing doing a bit of work and hanging out I was
1: going to ask you about that kind of desire to travel or starting traveling because I think correct me if I'm wrong but sort of your generation of climbers like the the really young guns coming through now, it's super normal to sort of chase the weather and the seasons. Was that the case when you were in your early 20s or was that a rarer thing that you were doing?
0: I think it was probably a bit rarer. Yeah, I don't think... You know, people would go to Spain for like... You know, it was like the Costa Blanca and those early Monteneos and those early places, but people would go for... You know, you might go for a week, two weeks, and that was a year. Whereas Andy used to... Like we'd work for like a month and then we'd go to like Spain for a week and then we might go to America for two weeks. You know, fly drives in America, we used to fly to Vegas, get a hire car. And it was about, I don't know, like 250 quid each, fly and hire car. And then we'd sleep in ditches and just go, go cracking. And we, you know, two or three weeks. And I used to do that quite a lot, you know, I, you know, I I mean, I, I wouldn't say, I I wouldn't, I didn't spend half my time, not in the country, but I I kind of snowballed, you know, to more than a third of the year, you know, between a third and half of the year, I would be away somewhere. And then I probably could get away with, building climbing walls got quite, there's always been a bit of a boom in it. He was quite lucrative in a lot of ways. And i could earn enough money i didn't pay rent anywhere i didn't have a car i was put up in hotels when i was working so i'd work for a bit and then i might spend a couple of weeks you know in grit season i'd like sofa surf hang out with um like sam wick and ben bransby they all lived in leeds i used to sleep on their sofa for like weeks on end and just go climbing on the great and and then go to Spain and then go to America and, yeah, just bum around, basically. It sounds pretty good. It was pretty good. <laughs> it was. It was pretty insane. Um, with hindsight, now it was, you know, amazing. But at the time, it just seemed... Well, it was all
1: you knew, I suppose. Yeah. But like we were saying before about getting good, you know, you were saying you weren't sort of chasing it as an end goal, but you're travelling all the time and I'm guessing that, job's quite physical, so you're probably staying quite fit at work. Yeah. So all of a sudden it just feels like everything, you know, move after move, day after day, you're just getting fitter, stronger, more exposure to it. Yeah. And I, again, we don't know each other very well, and I sense you're going to be really self-deprecating, but you were getting to a level at that point that was, you know, elite.
0: Yeah, you know, I wouldn't ever, I've always climbed with people that have been better than me. Um, and I'm, I've always been fine with that, you know, I, I'm not, like, I got reasonably good, you know, like, in the early 90s, doing E7 on grit, you know, like, before hard grit came out, and, I, you know, I climbed a lot of, a lot of E7s with, with Sam Wicott and kind of cruising around doing that, and you kind of think you're getting pretty good, but then... Start going to America, and you you know like all right. Well, I've climbed E7 on grit, like so. You know, you're looking at five thirteens, and then you go and get your ass kicked, and you realise that you know it's it's all very niche. But but yeah, I kind of you know I got I got pretty good at a certain style of climbing, I suppose. Um, and then when we were in Spain, that was more like mileage. I was never a great red pointer, um, but it was fun. You know, like. And lots and lots of bouldering. But bouldering was different then as well. You know, they're all so focused now. Like we used to just, you kind of just went pottering. And uh, you didn't project things or it was, yeah, it was all very different. More like a rest day activity. Oh Well, not a rest day activity, but um, there was very little kind of strategy or like, you know, like, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this problem and I want to do this problem. So I'm going to, I'm solely going to try this problem today. You know, you'd you'd go, you'd have a few goes, and then you'd go on to the next one. And we kind of did circuits like like they do, you know, like old school fun. And you just cruise around and do the circuit. And I mean, in lots of ways, a lot of people were very capable of doing lots of things that didn't get done till later. But we just didn't have those kind of eyes. You didn't, we didn't notice that. You know, you weren't looking for new new boulder problems. You just did the old boulder problems, and it was more about. The you know, the time, it was gone about doing roots. And when did you start big walling and getting into the bigger stuff? Well, so me and Long Air were going to America quite a lot. So I got into multi-pitching and doing, you know, some of the bigger routes over there. So like the Needles, um, Red Rocks, places like that. And then I met Leo. Um, and I'd been to, I think I'd been to Yosemite the year before. And he'd been and done El Nino with Patch, and I met Leo, and we kind of got on. And he was like, I mean, I was just one of my things. I was always just available. So, so um, he he was obviously looking for somebody, you know, that was, that he knew to to do stuff. So he, you know, at one point he was like, you know, maybe we should. We spent a lot of time partying together, and at one point I, we came to the conclusion, you know, well, maybe we should. Maybe we should go climbing. as That's the kind of thing that, in theory, we, uh, we are. So we, we, we kind of arranged to, to meet up in Yosemite. Um, and, you know, by that time, I had... Did I have an American girlfriend? I can't remember. At some point, I ended up with an American girlfriend. Um, so I was over there quite a lot. And then that kind of snowballed. So Leo was going through his Yosemite phase and he wanted to be in Yosemite all the time. And I was in America quite a lot. So I just started going to, to the valley. Um, and yeah, it was like a really amazing time in the valley. I think everybody's time in the valley is amazing. And, and you've always got like rose tinted glasses for your sort of your era. But it was a really special time, again, with loads of like amazing characters. And I really, you know, there was a while where I really felt like um, part of it um, you know, I was, I was there before a lot of people arrived. I was still there when everybody left. You know, I was kind of like a local, you know, some of the, there were people like, like Dean Fiedelman and Micah once, he once, he was like, huh, Pickles, he's more of a local than me, you know, because I was there when he got there and I was still there when he left. And, you know, people were going, we'd be there in the fall, there in the spring, It's criminal, really, how little we did, considering (laughs) how much time we spent there. Um, But, yeah, so got into kind of, you know, the big wall in there, and it was all kind of big wall party style, which meant going heavy and trying to free things. But then that kind of leads itself to expeditions that came later on where, you know, we were... Pulling 300 kilos up the wall wasn't totally alien. You know, we used to, like, we used to haul kegs and, like, take barbecues and, you know, we once had, like, a cool box on, uh, on Lady Ledge with, like, ice cream and cocktails and... But
1: that's one of the things that I find so attractive about it all. You know, I've never been a good climber and I never will be, but I think when I read the stories and listen to the stories of, like, your guys' era and your guys' time there. You know, I have huge respect for the people that are going there now and getting stuff done so fast, and it's all very sporty. Yeah. But I like that whole era of we had ice cream on ledges and we were partying hard and...
0: Yeah, you know, it's... Again, characters. It was really like, you know, you could get away with being a good climber without actually having to trade like an Olympic athlete, whereas, like, nowadays... The standards and the levels are just insane, and uh it must be insanely boring, <laughs> whereas we were like we were just having fun i mean in a way so i i i do it's a shame we went a little bit more focused um with a little bit more effort we could have achieved or done a lot more, but then it's never been about doing stuff for me, it's always been about fun, you know, like leo was. Leo and various other people that I climbed with, uh, you know, that doing things was important to him. Whereas, it, you know, sometimes it pisses me off that I wasn't more focused or driven, but ultimately I, I, I wasn't and I, 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 I wasn't bothered, you know. So we'd get somewhere and there'd be a hard pitch and... Leo or somebody like Ben Bransbury, you know, they'd do it. And it's like, right, well, I'm not as good as you. It's going to take, if, we get, if, if I'm going to do this, it's going to take like another two or three days. So I, yeah, it, it wasn't, it was more about having fun f- for me. But in a sense, again, you're correct. Me Which again if I'm wrong. is a good, it's a good thing and a bad thing. And, you know, when I look back, you know, I, I've, I've freed. Enough, more than enough pitches on El Cap to have done a free route, but I've never free climbed El Cap, you know, which is, is nuts. I've probably freed enough pitches on El Cap to have climbed like two or three, but I've never done a full, you know, a full route, which, yeah. you know, in some ways is a bit irritating, but in some ways it's like, well, yeah, but we have so much fun. And like, would you know, you see people like projecting things and people who spent whole seasons. You know, just working on our pitch, on our room. Whereas, yeah, it was never that important to me, so...
1: But is that maybe why people like you and Leo got on so well?
0: Because... 100%, it was like a kind of symbiotic relationship where, yeah, I, yeah, I was just psyched on being there and having fun and, and happy to go and do what other people wanted to do and what their, you know, what suppose I'm like an energy vampire or like, you know, I'd, yeah, you know, like, yeah, whatever. You want want to go and try that? Yeah, I'm like mad for it. Let's go there. It'd be amazing. But then go there and then be like, no, I'm not bothered about that pitch. Like, you know, maybe I could do it, but like, let's just keep going. Um, So, yeah, so, you know, we worked extremely well together. And we, you know, more than all of that, I mean, and a lot of that came, we just got on. And always have got on really, really well. You know, we're really, really good friends, and we know each other, and and always kind of have connected. I think quite, quite well. So, yeah. So we, yeah. It was just, it was just a lot of fun, really, and not about numbers and things. One, the one thing that we did. I. So I was. I've not read his book. I'll be honest. I've flicked through and read the bits that are relevant in some way, either where I mentioned or times that I knew about. And I've I've probably read most of it, but not from start to finish. Um, But I was talking to my oldest about it the other day, and uh, he writes in the book, which I'd not kind of clocked, even though I had read that bit before. We we got caught in a Storm one time on the top, um, and it, it was, I think, for both of us, he, the thing that I'd not clocked, were, he, he kind of says that it, it's one of the times where all of a sudden he was like, we got proper schooled and we got really worked. And he was like, that was kind of fun. And like, I, can, I liked that and I can do it. And I, I, I liked being scared and, you know, and, and I... It, it was a, it was very similar for me. It was nowhere near to the degree that it is for Leo. You know, he, he doesn't get scared and, and and we're very different in lots of ways. But after that, we got worked super hard and it's kind of like um, strength through adversity. Once you've been through something really grim, you've got the confidence of knowing, you know, I, I can... I can do this, and then that kind of releases you. You're like, "Oh, well, I'm not scared about having to spend the whole night outside anymore." You know, I like, don't get me wrong; I don't want to do it, and it was grim. But you've got—I I think we both kind of developed this confidence. I mean, me obviously to a much lesser degree than Leo, but but it, it was like a real a real thing, and it's one of the things where I, you know, I think it for both of us, we bonded a lot that night as well. It was like, it was pretty full on and we went through something pretty extreme together and we both kind of got a lot from it Um, and then that kind of went off on lots of, yeah.
1: Well, exactly. Yeah, because I think, I don't know if that was one of the trigger points, but then obviously you went on to do all sorts of amazing things around the world on, you know, proper, hardcore, adventurous big world expeditions, first ascends, not necessarily, like, before it was being done by loads of other people, but at a time where it was much rarer. Yeah. And I think, like, you know, again, you're being, I think I sense you being honest but self-deprecating when you say all that, but, like, it seems to me, you know, he didn't invite you just because he liked you. He invited you because you were a sure thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And it feels like if he's the captain, you're the sergeant. He just knows you'll just crack on.
0: Yeah, I mean Leo. Leo's—he's a born leader, ultimately, and like and I'm a—I'm a born second. You know, like tell me, you know, like tell me to go over the top, and I'll go over the top. Like, and I—I I genuinely would. I would go anywhere with him. I would follow him anywhere. Um,
1: yeah, I know, I know what that I, feels
0: like. I—I <laughs> trust his judgment more than I trust my own judgment. He know, you know, he's his judgment of of levels and of other people's levels is, you know, of my level is better than my own judgment. I, you know, I get clouded by either self-doubt or fear. Leo manages to not let his judgment be clouded by things like that. He takes everything from an open basic point and it's not clouded by being scared or, and, and, and invariably he's, right which can be quite irritating yeah yeah. (laughs) totally but 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 he but he is you know and uh i'm into being told well you know i I, tell me what to do don't don't ask me to make the decisions i'm not you know i i mean I, i i'm all right with that and i can do that but my natural inclination is to do what i'm told by somebody that i trust yeah and uh yeah and so me and leo had a very good Relationship in 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 that sense, but that's like this isn't a self help
1: podcast. But that's like expert team selection in a way. Like you don't want to pick four other leaders. And no, I think like
0: no, 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 exactly.
1: I've been in loads of situations with him where because I, you know, what you were just saying, he's not reckless. That's what's no, amazing. No, no,
0: no, 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 no He is, not in the slightest.
1: He's generally always right, and it is kind of irritating. Yeah, and I think you, you know, have like, to sort of be there to understand that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like right, it's. We can just solo up there yeah what really I, well i were you know we're 300 meters up some face somewhere and but it, and it, yeah it does look easy but so you know i like, really and but, but he's right you know like you're three times faster and it is you know like what you've you know i think you never try and second guess him. Really, I hope you don't listen to this because no, you know, I know me neither. But you know, like you know, genuinely, he, he yeah, um, I mean, he's I, not reckless in the slightest, is he?
1: No, and I, le- I sort of started hanging out with him, going on trips with him a very form- like I was 24 25, and I was just getting into the game properly. and He gave me my first proper big break, and like I now lead teams for a living, right? That's my job on the ground. And I think about this so often, like, I have become the professional I am. If I look at all the people who've molded me in any ways, you know, he's a complete outlier. Like mm-hmm. I don't know anybody else like him. I don't know any other leaders like him. And, like, I've definitely modeled and taken a lot of what I saw when he was leading me into how I lead other people. Yes, yeah. It's it's quite something. And I don't know if you could explain it fully unless you've seen it.
0: Yeah, Is yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: It, the idea that he goes, it's going to take three and a half hours, that bit's going to be really hard, you're carrying too much weight. And when, he, when most people say you're carrying too much weight, I go, "No, nah, I'll be all right. When Leo says you're carrying too much weight, I say, okay, Leo, how much should I take out my bag? <laughs> or he says, you need to carry three more kilos. I'm like, okay, give me three more kilos. Yeah. Yes, sir, of course, sir, off we go, sir. It's very strange.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So, um, end of the fanboy speech. Um, tell me about Asgard and what, what, how it came about and what it was like for you?
0: Asgard was Asgard's the hardest expedition I've ever been on for for sure. We were we were green basically. We were like it, it, we were out there, and we were like we were way above our pay grade in in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, it was. I did it come about? I don't. I don't even know how it came about. Like, I can just remember Leo saying, check this out, do you, do you fancy this? To which, as usual, I replied, yes, it was great. Um, I vividly remember being in Pang and like sorting through all our gear. And these, um, there were two Canadian guys, one, I can't remember what, what they were both called, but one of them is a guy called John Walsh, who's like a crusher, hardcore, super seasoned and they were just coming out. And I can remember like feeling so green and just like looking at them and being like, like they look like, you know, hardcore animals. And like, what, what are we doing here? Like, holy shit, oh no. You know, what have we, what have we got into? And then, and then we went in and we got committed. And, I, I mean, it was really, really hard, but it was really, really fun as well the whole time. Don't look bad. I'm really good at, I think, I don't really look, I don't remember the bad bits. I, I like roasting everything afterwards and, and loads of it was hard. But, um, but I don't remember those bits, really. I just remember it as being, like, fun. Check out where we are. I like, think this is insane. Um, and, but, it, you know, it was... It was hard, it was super cold. I got, um, I had these boots that were maybe, I wouldn't say they were too small. Well, no, they were, they were too small. <laughs> but my feet weren't crunched up in them. But you kind of, in mountain boots, you kind of want a bit of air circulating. And uh, I, got re, I, I got cold feet. And from when we got on the wall, I didn't feel my feet for about three months afterwards. I kind of got like, I think I got, I got frostnip when when we came back. Um, yeah, I ended up going to the doctors and they were like, "Frostnip, it will come back. I mean, when we came out, we went to, I um, can't remember what the capital's called now, but the capital of Baffin, Baffin's dry. So and, and, and in the capital, you can, you can drink and there are bars, but they're really strict about letting people in and out. And as my feet started to warm up, they kind of started to warm up on the walk out. They kind of like, I I was struggling to walk. They kind of, they got all swollen. And so I was walking around like a bit of a mong and basically they wouldn't let me in this bar. They were like, no, you've had too much because there's a real drink problem there. Anybody showing any signs of being drunk, you just don't get let in. And I was mortified. I was literally like, we've been in the wilderness for like two and a half months. What do you mean I can't come in? I'm not not drunk, I can't walk. (laughs) I like, I literally like pleading, and they were just like, "No, nah, you're not coming in." And what did I, you do? Went, uh, I I went home. We Stanley Stanley. To be fair, Stanley came back with me. We, we'd had a few, you know, we'd had a few beers, but um, nowhere near as many as I wanted. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, yeah. What did that lead on to?
1: That trip, and how did it change you all?
0: Um, again, a bit like the the epic on El Cap with Leo and the Storm, I think, again, like, strength through adversity. There's an amazing... Tommy's... Have you seen Tommy's TED Talk? No. He's, Tommy does a, a TED Talk that's amazing that's about, like, strength through adversity. And uh, that, you know, like, it's probably, like, people who go to war or... Yeah, I mean, you come back different. And, you know, for, for, for me, came back feeling like I could deal with pretty much anything, you know, like I've, I can suffer. I I can, you know, like if you put your mind to it and I think most people, most people in everyday life have got no idea what they can do. And it's not that any of us are superheroes. It's just that we ended up through either saying yes or through circumstance, you end up finding out something of what you can do and that gives you like a, a confidence or a swagger or, or a, a, a need to want to do more of it. And, you know, it gets like, it gets addictive. It's like, I, you know, I need to feel that, that, that jeopardy and that kind of, again, like I was saying about no worrying, I like, um, it's so straightforward when you're on a trip. There's just nothing else to. Oh, it's like end goal. Like you know, I'm, I'm. All I've got to do today is carry that bag from here to there, and the simplicity of that, I just, I like it. It's addictive. And 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 yeah. And it's gonna be hard. And but I'm kind of mad for it. And and yeah. And it just kind of that that trip just took us another notch. I think. And it was just like right. You know. And how I felt going in, looking at John Walsh, and then coming out, I was like, you know, I am John Walsh. <laughs> like, you yeah. know, like, we, can, we can do this. Like, you know, that was grim. But that's what you can do when you put your mind to it and you all work together. And not only all that, I found it massively fun. All those trips, all that, I've never once been like, I don't want to be here. Even when it's, like, really, really grim. Even when I you know, hobbling out, having not felt my feet for, like, ten days, I wasn't ever like, oh, God, I wish I'd not come on this. It was always just like, that was so much fun. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, yeah, yeah so that led
0: to more of the same, in, you know, in a way. Um, obviously, Al made the film, and then that just kind of snowballed for, for all of us, you know, and Leo was like, right. You know you know what he's like, he's pre-driven and like, Right this just opens up more doors. And then, and then he was always like, you know, do you want to come? And I was like, yeah. But it's such a unique position,
1: particularly for somebody like you, because, you know, Leo's, he's got his sponsorship and he's got his expedition fund as part of that deal and Al's making the movies. Like, those trips, when you think about Antarctica or Asgard first time, like, they're expensive for normal human beings and you were just getting a ticket to go.
0: Yeah. Basically, yeah, yeah. And that is an amazing, like, unique opportunity. Yeah, 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 absolutely, yeah. And that's what, you know, I mean, in lots of ways, without ever thinking about it, I made so that that was possible by, you know, the nature of the work that I did and whatever. I can just drop everything and go. And, and I kind of, I think, maybe subconsciously did that rather than it being a conscious thing and, like, I was just, you know, like, right if these opportunities come up, then I want to be able to, to yeah. go. Um, and, yeah, and, and the, you know, the films and all the rest of it, they were, you know, they, yeah, some of the most expensive holiday, you know, like Antarctica is <laughs> like the most expensive holiday anybody could ever go on. Yeah. You know, it was insane. Um, but at the same time, you know, like, we all brought something to the table, you know. I, like, we all worked hard for those things. Did you ever... Go on, Sorry. Yeah, like, you know, you know, like getting getting Al off Asgard, you know, off the top of Asgard. Again, like I mean, it's going back to what we were talking about before, I suppose. But um that was like a very formative thing for me in a way. That was the reason that I was there in in a lot of ways. But then to actually like do that and <laughs> execute it and like watch them to, you know, I am up here with my mates and Two of them are like the most accomplished big wall free climbers in the world and now they're going to jump off and leave me up here.
1: With a film director. With a
0: film director and another guy who's like super inexperienced and we're going to get down and get off. But you did. Um, And and we did, yeah. Yeah, fortunately. Um,
1: Did you ever... Were you ever, are you ever bothered by, I hope not take this the wrong way, I'm sure you won't, but like playing second fiddle to Leo, no, essentially.
0: No, not at all. Like, I'm not playing second, you know, like if anything, like, playing second fiddle to Leo is a better, higher achievement than me. You, do you know what I mean? You know, like, you know, if you want to look at it like that, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not bothered by that shit, really. It's fun. I, genuinely, like, and it sounds like a cliche and I sound like a bit of a twat saying it, but it's always been about having fun. And, and I've had a huge amount of fun. And I'm not bothered. I'm, I'm pretty, I suppose I'm pretty secure in a lot of ways. I don't, everybody's got an ego, but I don't have a huge, I don't feel the need to, I kind of don't care what people think about, I mean, I do, but you know what I mean? What like the right I, people I, think I'm about not. You. Yeah, I'm not bothered, you know, really. I,
1: it's interesting, there's parallels in a way, because like some people say to me, Oh, does it ever bother you that you make all these movies but you're not in them and no one knows you exist? I'm like, No. Like, you need to understand that people like me don't do things like this. <laughs> like yeah. cameras are my ticket to go big wall in with Leo holding. Like, yeah. and that was that was now that's become normal. I can say that without it feeling weird. Like I do things like that all the time. Ticket it's my ticket to go and hang out with Leo, Alex Honnold, all these people. That's my ticket. I don't need the fame, fortune and glory. A bit of fortune would be nice maybe one day.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fame I'll and the glory, sorry.
1: I can do with that. Yeah. But it, I think some people get a bit obsessed with the, the need to become famous or have everybody think they're brilliant for doing this stuff, but you don't.
0: No, no, I don't. Genuinely. So
1: it's a tangent, but I really wanted to talk about this and you probably guessed I would because I'm often messaging you about when my children are going to be old enough that I can have a life again. <laughs> but um, your life is now radically different from the one you've described in this podcast so far. When did it change? How did it change? And what's your life like now?
0: Um, so my wife, has a, she has her own business. She works, like, super hard. She works a lot. Um, and the only way we were going to have kids was if I was going to do the meat of bringing them up so to speak um, so yeah we decided to have kids I'd always wanted to have kids um, so yeah we, we had kids my wife she went days out she went back to work literally she was back in work a week two weeks after giving birth she breastfed for a year. Um, I used to meet her in car parks, in between meetings, because that was the only way... You know, if we were going to have kids, that was the only way it was going to happen, really. And again, like, about me not worrying, just deal with what's in front of you. And if I'd actually sat down and thought about the implications of it all, I would have probably gone, like, why, why on earth would I do that? No, that's saying shit. But um, But I didn't, and... Don't get me wrong, again, you know, thinking about it coming down, I thought, you know, I knew you'd ask about this. And again, the whole rose-tinted thing, it was actually quite hard. Um, and I only kind of came to that conclusion on the way down in a lot of ways. It, you know, there were times where it was pretty, pretty hard for me from uh, like an identity point of view. I kind of, for a long time, I... I didn't really have a lot of interaction with other adults or other people. I went from, like, hanging out with my mates in the middle of nowhere or banter at work to being me and a small kid in a house. You know, my wife was working 50, 60, 70 hours a week and, and having identified as a climber and being defined by that for... For a long time, um, I didn't have. To, you know, I was like, you know, who who am I? What what am I? And it was pretty tough for for a bit.
1: Um, <laughs> Given that you know I'm living through it right now, my wife's on stage eight times a week. How, how, how long, just exactly, just so um, I can.
0: <laughs> well, you know, like you, it slowly just starts to come back, doesn't it? You know, like we've got, we've now got two kids. My youngest is five, and I feel like the last few years I've started to get my life back a little bit. Um, you know, I've just got back from going on a trip with Leo. It um, was only a short trip, but, I, you know, I, it, it does come back, and you do kind of, you can, like, reconnect with with who you are or, you know, whatever.
1: yeah. At risk of, I'm not trying to deliberately kind of be all progressive in 2024 about it, but how did, you know, we can gloss over the fact that you were once voted Britain's manliest man. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's a fact. To becoming the stay-at-home dad while your wife was the breadwinner, like, did that ever bash your ego or was that always okay? No, no,
0: no not really. No, like, no, again, like the whole climbing, you know, no, not, uh, it's not anything that I've ever thought... The biggest trouble for a little bit, you know, like your, your whole, the whole identity thing and what, what am I, who am I, what is, you know, and just being the primary carer for a small baby 24-7, you know, we, it, it is, is hard. Um, and doing it as a bloke, does it, I mean, in some ways, doing it as a bloke is harder because women, uh, you know, well, I didn't go to, there's all these, like, women's groups. NCT groups. Yeah, he's he's the weirdo. So, you know, like, I, I did a little bit, you know, like, it's totally just like, I don't, you know, I don't fit in. I'm not yeah. like, these, this is not for me. Yeah. So I was kind of quite alone for, for, for a while. But it, it, whether you're a, man, boy, you, you know, whatever, it, it, it's irrelevant, innit? I, I don't, I genuinely don't look at it like that. And, and, I, and I think for a little bit, I maybe did, you know, doubt it, it, the whole masculinity sort of thing. It is a, a little bit of masculine, you know, maybe it was for a little, you know, there were definite. I suppose, I'd be lying if I didn't say I felt that a little bit, but in general, not, not really at all. And, like, now, like, you know, that was in the deepest, darkest when it's, mm. when it's really hard and you're proper on the coalface. I maybe did feel a little bit um, emasculated or whatever the word, the term is. Where, yeah. Whereas now, you know, I mean, I, I feel like I'm lucky to have been able to do that with my kids. And most blokes don't... Get to do that, and 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 don't, you know it's it's been an amazing thing, and it, you know don't get me wrong, it, it's been pretty hard at times, but it's it's also been like a massive pleasure.
1: Um, it is good to hear because you you said something similar to me at Kendall Festival last year, and I needed to hear it at the time because I was starting to get into this headspace of like oh, I've got to look after the kids, I've got to look after the kids. It was like this job I had. And I can't remember exactly what you said, but your point was basically like, this is going to go really fast and then it's going to be different and it's going to be gone. Like, enjoy it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is
1: fun if you make it fun. Yeah. And I have changed my attitude and it's really made a difference. Like when the baby wakes up at 8pm and I'm trying to do something with my only hours of the day, Mm. I'm like, no, no, I need to go and look after this little boy. And that's not going to be, he's not going to be a tiny baby for much longer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably a couple of months. Yeah. Then it's gone.
0: Yeah. And it is really rewarding. Do you know what I mean? Like it, 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 genuinely is. Particularly
1: now, the the kids what they're five and seven. Or? Mine are five and nine. Five and nine. Well, now I'm guessing the nine year olds now asking about all the stuff you've done and is interested and.
0: Yeah, yeah exactly. He's reading Leo's book at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Uh, yeah. Um, Does he think it's cool? Um, or normal? I don't, who knows? You know, I don't know. I I, I think. And I don't know whether he thinks it's cool just because I was I did it, or whether he thinks it's cool genuinely because he thinks it's cool. Yeah. But you know, it's like the whole we did a, you know, just and doing stuff with them. You know, we did a trip. We went and um, tried to climb Triglav um, in the summer as as like a family. You can do like a hut to hut, and there's sort of via ferratas. And we got, um, we got stormed on really, we got like caught in a really, really quite bad storm. Um, I mean, even I'd give it like, I'd give it like a a low seven (laughs) on my scale. And like, you know, you don't survive 10. And like, you know, it was, it was pretty grim. And I was a little bit worried that it had traumatized him. You know, we got caught out and, it was like, it, I mean, it blew me over, the wind. So, you know, I was holding the kids down. It was raining. It got cold. Everybody got wet. There was lightning. We were on a via ferrata. It was pretty, it was pretty full on. And I, kind of, I was a bit worried that I'd traumatised them. But then, again, that whole strength through adversity thing, afterwards, you know, like my youngest now, a couple of times, he's been like, this is fine, I've, I've been up Triglav. Um, and... It's so rewarding doing that sort of stuff with them and try to pass that on to them. And I think they do sponge it up. So, so I think, I hope he thinks it's cool because it is cool, isn't it? <laughs> like, yeah. You know, like, how could it not be cool going up, you know, like...
1: Climbing mountains.
0: Yeah, and just, like, extreme camping, you know, that's Big Wall and hanging out with your mates doing ludicrous things in, like, ludicrous places. And what could not be cool about that? Yeah. Um,
1: it's kind of a nice place to leave it. Um, I always ask the same two questions at the end of every episode. You're going to hate them. The first is, what scares you?
0: Um, in one sense, nothing. Having been through various things and, like there's a whole other podcast here, the whole your thing. I've no. been to hell and back and, you know, I was stuck in hell for eternity. So nothing could ever be, I it couldn't ever be any worse than than what I went through in that, in one sense. So in one sense, you know, like, I don't worry about stuff. You know, I'm not like, so I'm not scared of, I'm not really scared of anything in one sense. Um, But then in the short term, you know, I've just been away with Leo for a week. I spent half of that time mildly scared. You know, like... You seem to like being a bit scared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's fun, isn't it? You know, like... But, um, yeah, Leo scares me sometimes. (laughs) Uh, But in a good way. What brings you hope? my kids 100% you know um the world is kind of fucked up at the moment and that's on us and I hope that our kids can learn from the mess we've made and sort it out a little bit but um hopefully we're equipped I'm, you know we're equipping them well enough and that they can do that. And I think, you know, they, 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 they can, I hope. Amazing. I'll leave it there. Thanks very much. All right, Sean. Sure.
1: Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch, then you can email me at matt at studio. And finally, as always, please do leave us an honest review on iTunes. They're a big help and it really does help us bring the podcast to a wider audience.